please remain standing and pray with me. Holy Spirit, come now and anoint the preaching of your word. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would grant us all tender hearts and receptive ears. Please be with me, the preacher of the word. Lord, may I stand completely under the authority of the word of God and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Please, Lord God, I pray that you would hide me and the message of God's word in the cross, and so that nothing that I might say that would be of error or any way misleading would be heard, but only that which is true and pure and comes from the scriptures and from your heart for us this morning. Lord, we thank you that you hear this prayer and you answer it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you, Deacon Ann, for praying for my voice this morning. I didn't realize it, but I think I do need help with it. Um, I've been shouting at dogs uh, this weekend. I've got a, uh, I've got an extra, gra- I've got a Great Pyrenees, uh, which they don't listen to anybody. So uh, that's uh, spending some time with us at our home, and and so I think I may have blown a fuse in the vocal cord. So keep me in your prayers as I go through this morning preaching. But this morning, I want you to know that like many of you, I do feel, uh, as we look back at the events of the past couple of weeks, I feel a sense of personal outrage and I feel overwhelmed by what is happening in our nation as it relates to issues of justice and race. But before I could speak to these issues, I had to do two things. Uh, The first thing I had to do was make sure that my heart was right before God and that I would not use this pulpit, please listen to these descriptors, I would not use this pulpit as a means for pandering or pleasing men or self-justification. And so this week I've been begging God for a spirit of humility and repentance, and I have, uh, I, I, I just need Him to guard my heart. The second thing that I've done this past week is to heed the Bible's admonition, James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. And maybe we all need to hear this. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So in response to current events, I have not been talking, I've been listening. First of all, listening to the scriptures and listening for the Holy Spirit in prayer. And then being in conversation with and listening to the voices especially of black Christian men as they pour out their hearts to me and to others, but these have been conversations about how the deaths of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor were not just recent, but they were the most recent in a long history of the unjust taking of black lives in this country. Not to mention the overt, grotesque racism and threat of white power employed by Amy Cooper in Central Park, New York City just a few days ago. And what was clear in those conversations was an inner sense reflected in the words of Martin Luther King Jr. in his letter from a Birmingham jail, which we assigned during our foundations course. When you are harried by day and haunted by night by the fact that you are a Negro, 
living constantly at tiptoe stance, never quite knowing what to expect next, and are plagued with inner fears and outer resentments, when you are forever fighting a degenerating sense of nobodiness, then you will understand why we find it difficult to wait. There comes a time when the cup of endurance runs over and men are no longer willing to be plunged into the abyss of despair. I hope, sirs, you can understand our legitimate and unavoidable impatience. So I feel overwhelmed by the enormity of the injustice and systemic evil revealed in recent days when the cameras were rolling. But my black brothers shake their heads and say to me, I'm glad that it was on camera, but we have been speaking the truth of our reality to you for years when there were no cameras. So in weakness and fear and trembling, we are going to address issues of race and justice today. And here is the source of authority that the church has to speak into these issues. God has revealed himself in his word. And that is what we will stand upon. At Christ Church, the Bible is not a prop. It is God's revealed, immutable, authoritative word for us today. The word of God trumps the manipulation of the news media and the unbridled passions of social media. God help us. The Word of God holds politicians and nations to account before an almighty, infinitely holy God of justice. It convicts, it corrects, and it cleanses God's church when she is in error. The Word of God is the ultimate authority in the believer's life, and by it we can stand alone, if need be, before princes and prelates, and boldly proclaim, my conscience, my conscience is captive to the word of God. Here I stand, I can do no other, God help me. So as a priest in God's church, I have no authority to address you or to speak to current events unless it is derived from God's word. And by the way, I'm not going to be the monkey commanded to dance to the latest tune of social media. So we also need to know that we cannot lay a foundation for attacking injustice and racism in just one sermon. I'm not going to say enough for some people, and I've already said too much for others. But we can start in one sermon, and we're going to keep this initial foray into God's Word as brief as possible so that we will have time to do what we need to be doing today, which is praying and repenting. Now, when I told our bishop that we were going to be dealing with, the, with uh, justice and race today, he asked, how are you going to do that on Trinity Sunday? This is the Feast of the Holy Trinity. It's a big deal for us as Christians. Well, the first brick in our foundation comes from the Old Testament text assigned for today on the Feast of the Holy Trinity. It's Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female, he created them. See, what the scripture, this scripture reveals here is that racism and injustice are an, a, a direct attack on God's good creation. Injustice is the disordering of God's justly ordered creation. That's the dominion mandate we were given in the garden, to justly order God's creation. And injustice is an infraction against that commandment. And also, based on the created order itself, racism, this is so important, is a personal affront, a personal affront to Almighty God. Now, here, here's how that works. Here's how it's a direct attack Here's how it is directed against God. By its very nature, racism defames and profanes God's person by defaming and profaning his image and likeness. And you're thinking, well, how can this be? Ask anyone who's ever seen some, some politician or public person burned or hung in effigy. Doing it in effigy is a way of lashing out, defaming and profaning the person that you're doing it in effigy to. And so an attack against the image and likeness of God in racism is taking God in effigy and doing to him what you would do to the person who is the object of your racism. Here is, this is, listen, there are, there are unsearchable depths and significance to what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God. But at the very least, here is what it means. At the very least, here's what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God. Are you ready for this? Flo uh, George Floyd is what God looks like. Breonna Taylor is what God looks like. Ahmad Arbery is what God looks like. You are what God looks like in some mysterious way because you are made in His image and likeness. The invisible God is revealed in the face of every image bearer. And do you know how infinitely precious that makes you? I can't wait till we take all of these masks off so we can see that image more clearly. The invisible God is revealed in the face of every image bearer, and if that is true, and it is based in God's word, then racism is literally, if, this, if God is revealed in the image bearer, then racism is literally a species of blasphemy. So here's the ultimate source of racism, okay? It is not the Minneapolis Police Department, one of those horrible southern cities in the Deep South. It's not the Louisville Police Department. It's not the murderous white thugs with shotguns in Georgia. It's not Amy Cooper who weaponized race against a black man who was birdwatching in Central Park. Dangerous birdwatcher. Beware. No, these are only the complicit, morally culpable, 
personally responsible human agents of racism and injustice. Here is the source. Are you ready? Again, where will we go? We have to go to Scripture, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle, listen, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So therefore, the motivating forces behind racism and injustice are demonic fallen powers who are in rebellion against God and who seek the destruction of God's good creation. The root of racism is Satan's rage against that one creature and all of creation who bears the image and likeness of God. And since Satan cannot directly strike against the Lord God Almighty, he chooses his next best target, the image bearer of God, as his special focus of hatred and object of his destruction. And the enemy, listen, takes special delight in pitting one image bearer against another image bearer as his means of doing this. So when we allow racial hatred to infect our imaginations, we are being quite clearly co-opted by demonic powers, and the results of that infection are injustice and ultimately death. And please listen carefully to this next statement. Regardless of what those who found their worldview, who root their worldview in a godless materialist form of analysis may claim, all races are capable of racial hatred and injustice. And to deny this makes you particularly susceptible to being co-opted by the demonic. That's one of the great things about having an immigrant community in your midst is that they can tell you that with authority. They've seen it in their countries of origin. So that's just the first brick in laying a biblical foundation for combating racism and injustice. It's rooted in, we are, we are rooting our view of humanity in the Genesis account that we are created in the image and likeness of God Injustice in general, racism in particular, are an affront to God's created just order and against God himself because we are his image bearers. That is the first brick in the foundation. But even that little bit of foundation does call upon us for a reaction. What is the application? What then shall we do? Well, the first thing that we should do is remember that every one of us who has taken the membership covenant of Christ Church has promised before God the following things. And I want to invite you to say these with me. If you are a member of Christ Church, you've already said this. If you aren't a member, this is a good way of warming up. All right, together with God's help, I will seek and serve Christ in all persons loving my neighbor as myself. With God's help, I will strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being. 
Did you remember that you had said that before God and this company at one point? So if you are a member of Christ Church, you have already pledged yourself to love all your neighbors, to strive for justice, and respect the dignity of every human being. And with that in mind, here are our action points this morning. And again, I wanted to leave space in this service for us to do these things and not just to talk about them. The first thing, and this is so important, this is what I have been trying to do personally, the very first thing is to walk in humility before others, walk in humility before others, and listen to the voice, to the cry of the oppressed. First of all, that means, especially if we're white, okay, we do need to examine our hearts before God, listen, for indifference to injustice. I think very few of us have actively, you know, are actively seeking to, to act out injustice or actively are engaged in racist activity or thinking. I don't think hardly anybody is like that. Not, not many people that I know. Maybe you do, but I don't. But here's the thing, is that we often are indifferent. It doesn't affect us directly. And so we need to examine our hearts before God for indifference to injustice, and yes, even to overt racism. If we are prone, listen, if we are prone to react in the very first instance by quoting statistics or by offering self justifications, we have not stopped to listen. We're not listening in love to our brothers and sisters. So by God's grace, and this is what I'm trying to do, by God's grace, ask questions, listen, and resist the temptation to be defensive. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction for sin into your life through those conversations. They can be very challenging. Now, this is interesting as we think about it. Some of us particularly, some of us, again, who are white, here's what you need to listen to, all right? Because I think we all agree with that. Oh, yes, thank you, Father Ben. That is so good. That's exactly what we should be doing. You're right. I hope you're thinking that. But here's something else we need to worry about or not worry about to be aware of. Walking in, walking in humility also means you will not judge your brothers and sisters who have not felt the sting of injustice like you have. Don't be the Pharisee who goes before God in self-righteousness and says, I thank God that I'm not like that sinner over there who is not nearly as woke as me. That is a form of grotesque self-righteousness. So instead of crossing your arms and standing in judgment over those people's inaction or insensitivity or even unrecognized racism, how about doing this, brothers and sisters, those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, how about what, do what the Bible says and speak the truth in love? Speak the truth in love. Show them from the word of God, why they should care and actively pursue justice for those who are oppressed. Here are a couple of scriptures to help you with that conversation. 
Proverbs chapter 24, verses 11 and 12. Rescue, this is God's word to us in Proverbs, rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? Let's not even leave Proverbs. Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice. This is in the Bible, y'all. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. That is God's word. We have no other authority to stand on. Now the second point for us, the second thing, action point for us is this. We need to repent. Cry out to God in sorrow and, com and contrition for indifference and complicity with systems of injustice. Now listen. Um... I've been very careful in how I've chosen my words. I know I'm going to be because I know throughout the rest of this week I'm going to have people calling me and texting me and emailing me about things I never said. And I'm not going to respond, oh, you're so right. I'm going to say, go back and listen to the sermon. So I've been very careful in how I've phrased these things. So here's the thing. When I say systems of injustice, do we believe that there are powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places that corrupt and embed themselves in systems. Are there sinful world systems? Yes, there are. That's when we're talking about the world, the world, the flesh, and the devil, we're talking about that anti-God impetus that embeds itself in cultures and societies and organizations, and you have seen it. And if there can be systemic evil like that, certainly there can be systemic injustice. How dare we would deny it? Ask any Palestinian Jew living in the first century under the jackboot of the Roman occupation. They would say, yes. You know, I think I know one of those guys right now who would say, yes, that's true. I serve him. He died on a Roman cross. So, we need to repent for complicity with systems of injustice. I need to do that. I also personally need to be in repentance for being so preoccupied with my personal comfort and security. I, I am a hobbit deep down inside. I probably have furry feet. I love my little hobbit hole in my little garden. But being so preoccupied with our comfort and security can often mean that our hearts become cold and unconcerned with the suffering of our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ who live with the effects of racism every day. We are going to be, re to be praying and repenting this morning, and I call you to offer up those prayers with your voices so that we can all pray along together. And the third thing, and I got, I don't want to take too much time, but um, my, you know, you know how human beings, what is the natural response to sin? It's sin. The natural response to sin, 
Well, I tell you what, I, I, believe, in, I believe in some, uh, uh, so, some problem of uh, indwelling sin now. I, I believe that we have an indwelling sin problem, that we're all affected by it. Uh, I think it would be universal in its effect. And so, therefore, our response to sin is sin. That's our initial fleshly response. My initial fleshly response, when I saw the images, I will not tell you all this. You're going to think less of me. But uh, I will tell you, when I saw those images of, uh, of a man having his life pressed out of him for nine long minutes of suffocation was, it's time to get together a well-organized militia. And I will be a military advisor if you need one. That was my fleshly, wicked, sinful response. But being said, there is, here's the third thing we need to do. That's not the kind of warfare we need to wage. But please listen, we do need to go to war. We need to man up and go to war. Now, we cannot be spectators and spiritual pacifists. If you and I, listen, have been sealed like we did to those four little children this past Sunday with the cross of Christ under these words, listen to what we said over them. Fight bravely under his banner against the world, the flesh, and the devil. We told him to go to war. And we will. Fight, fight bravely against the world, the flesh, and the devil, and to continue as his faithful soldier to the end of your days. Oh, that's so militaristic. Have you read the Bible? <laughs> Have you read how God hates sin and calls us to be actively engaged against it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, this is St. Paul, verses 4 and 5. I hope I'm being understandable and articulate, but I know St. Paul is. Paul says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to Christ. That's how we go to war. So we will not be co-opted, please listen to me, not co-opted by non-Christian methods or reasoning in our fight, but we will rather fight, as St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, we will fight by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God with weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. And that means we will not be allies with godlessness. But remember that we are under the banner of Christ and we are promoting no other kingdom, no other kingdom than His. We're not going to let some other worldly power take us captive. We're not working for a secular, social utopia, brothers and sisters, but for the universal reign of King Jesus who is the one who said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So what will we do? How will we fight? We will speak up and rise up 
and act up standing on the foundation of God's word alone, empowered by grace alone, with loyalty to the name of Jesus alone. So the first thing we're going to do right after this sermon is stand up and say our pledge of allegiance to God and His kingdom in the words of the Nicene Creed. We'll make our confession. And then we're going to go, we're really going to go into battle because we are going to cry out to God in prayer over everything we have experienced in the last two weeks and the 400 years leading up to that. And then we're not just going to take a knee, one knee, we're going to fall on two knees before the king we have offended by our injustice and cry out in repentance to our brothers and sisters and to God, confident that He will hear our confession and bring forgiveness, deliverance, cut off the sin in our life and bring restoration. And that's the Christian gospel, is that we don't go around feeling guilty forever and ever, world without end, amen. That's not the gospel. That's some other gospel. That have nothing to do with Jesus on the cross. And so... We're going to make our confession. We're going to confess the word of God in the words of the Nicene Creed. Confess the truth of the gospel and the God we serve, the triune God we serve. We're going to pray for God to intervene. We're going to confess our personal sin. We're going to use the prayer book. And then after that, we're going to go and do what the Holy Spirit leads us to do. And who knows what that might be in your situation. But please, brothers and sisters, let's stand under the authority of God's word, alone, and let his spirit work within us to bring us to that point of action that he would call us to. So stand up, Christian, stand up, church, and let's confess our faith. Let's say our Pledge of Allegiance.